Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so we are back uh, with part two of our discussion of The Furrows by Namwali Serpel. So a little bit of a break there. We had some, I had a sick kiddo and stuff going on. So, but we are back and ready to talk about it. Uh, mm-hmm. The second half of the book was, I don't know. I'm really excited to talk about it. So, yeah. But before we do that, um... Shall I tell everybody what we're yes. reading next? Yes, please. Okay. So our next book, I think we'll still do two episodes. I think there's enough for two, for sure. Yeah. Um, is The Villa, uh, a new novel by Rachel Hawkins. So that's all I'm going to say about it because we have a lot to, to say on it, but I'm going to save it. So if you haven't, go pick up a copy from your local bookstore um, so that we can discuss because it, it'll... I think it'll be a good discussion. I think it'll be a good discussion. So just, um, we're not talking about the book, but we will just say that this is like a thriller mystery. I would lean more towards maybe, I don't know, but that's how it is Maybe marketed. just put just put it in quotations. It's a quote thriller, thriller mystery, mystery. End quote. Um, yes. So that's the type of book, which, you know, we don't do very often on this podcast. So it was fun to dive into that genre a little bit. We have a lot to say about it. It's going to be a a good discussion next time. But yes. So for this episode, we are discussing the latter half of The Furrows and Elegy by Namwali Serpel. So what are you drinking tonight? So I wanted to, I wanted to make a dark and stormy. Because that kind of seemed to fit with the book. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have any um, ginger beer. So I just did like a rum punch. So uh, uh, some rum, some orgot syrup, uh, club soda. And then I just mixed that up, put it with some cherries and like a little mason jar. And it's good. It's a little brighter and happier than I feel like is deserving of of, of what, what we're discussing. Book. Yeah. That's why I was really excited about my dark and stormy idea, but I just didn't have what I needed. So anyway, that's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking in that I very cute just glass? Drinking, I love your glassware. Thank you. I am just drinking rosé. I do love my glassware as well. Where is Brian? I got this. Um, Brian is Brian here. Out of town? Brian oh. is here, but I specifically <laughs> requested um, oh. a big old glass of wine because that's okay. just the night that I'm having. So this, you know what? That's valid. That's valid. That yeah. perfect, perfect fitting. I'm sorry to give you shit. That actually fits very perfectly with your night and with the book. And so, with the book. It's a, it's a big yeah. old glass of wine kind of night. So yeah, All he right. delivered as he always does. And it is in a really cute it is. Glass. I love this glass. So we have two of them, but they're slightly different shapes um, at, the, at the top. But I love them. So it's like this coupe kind of glass. It has, the, But the stem is like this circular green blown glass. And then the top has some etched like grapes and designs into it. And it's very like 1960s, 70s. And yeah, I got it. it from, we got these glasses from this very old couple that lived a few blocks away from us actually but our realtor 
knew them and had sold their house because they were flying south for the winter. They were going to retire to Florida like everybody in Massachusetts does. And so they just, like, let us come to their house and just, like, look through their house and take what we want, basically, um, for a few dollars. And so these these glasses that we got, we just had to get. And they're, like, super great quality and super fun. Um, But I am just drinking a rosé. It is, I think, from that Josh winery again. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I tasked Brian with getting the wine and he actually did pretty good. Like this I like this wine. Yeah. Josh is actually like a pretty good mm-hmm. I like um, it too. winery and it's pretty like affordable. It's not expensive yeah. bottles of wine, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Um and it's hitting the spot. it's exactly what I needed today. Well, good. Glad to hear it. Thank you. I'm almost done with it uh, because we were talking for two hours before we hit record. So I know. Well, ugh. Yeah, no regrets. That's close. No, no regrets at all. Uh, (laughs) And I was smart to not put my earbuds in Mm -hmm. uh, until we were like really ready to talk about the book. So we do learn. I've got my corded ones today. Yeah, I have my charger. So like we've learned our lessons. (laughs) Um, And then, so speaking of, so I have read two other books since we have talked. Well, I've read one and I'm in the middle of the other one, but I will share. So because they're awesome. You have to get them. So the first one that I finished was Dinosaurs by Lydia Millet. Not at all what I thought it was going to be. It was so interesting. I loved the characters in it, like was sad when the book was over. And there's not like this, any crazy plot to talk about, but it's just so like tender and thoughtful and Mm. like, like discusses hard things, but also like left me feeling hopeful, like really a a nice Really nice book. So I really, really recommend that one. And then I'm in the middle of uh, Lessons by Ian McEwan. Oh, I've Uh, heard about that. I see that everywhere. Yeah, I wasn't... It took... It didn't grab me immediately, but, like, it has, like, slowly, like, latched on to me, and I really, really like it. Um, Nice. Did you you ever read Atonement? I did, and I liked it. The movie Mm kind of ruined it for me a little bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I didn't love the movie. Oh, I really but, liked the movie. But I, I saw the movie first before I read the book. Mm, and I think that that can it, make a big impact. It can. And I, I did really like the book. Um, and I hadn't read his other novels, but I'm really liking this one. And so they had it. King's English has been getting so many signed copies lately. I love it. They nice. had a first edition signed copy. So, gra- of course, I had to get it. I'd had it, like, on my wish list. And then I was like, oh, nope, just going to get it. Don't need it. Uh, but so I'm in the middle of that one right now. Nice. Um, there's just so many books, Sadie, and so little time. I know, I know. I actually, you'll be proud of me. I've been doing some extracurricular reading myself, like outside. I'm glad, I'm, I'm outside glad that you're pod. able to. I know. I know you haven't had time, so I'm glad that you've been able to. Me That's too. Good for you. Me too. So, so I read. Um, it's not like my normal genre generally. Um. But Lee Bardugo, she's the one who did like the Grisha verse that like became a TV sh- series, like the Shadow and Bone series and mm-hmm. Six and Six of Crow, I think Six of Crows. It's like mostly YA, but it's like adulty ish. But it's just fantasy. But yeah. She came out with this um, series in 2020. The first book came out. It's going to be a trilogy, I think, and it's called Ninth House. Called and what? It's, it's called Ninth House. And Ninth this, House, okay. The second book just came out. It's called Hellbent. And the premise of the series is like this 
girl um, from L.A. She's been through a lot, but she's she can see ghosts, basically. And okay. they're called greys in the book. But then because she has this, like, ability to see ghosts, she's taken, she's basically given an, an opportunity, um, an offer to go to Yale. And they pay for her to go. And she works for basically this, like, underground secret society group. And it's really fun because the author went to Yale. So, like, she... A lot of it's based on like her experience being there, and then um, these secret societies that she talks about are all real. She just like added this um, like supernatural element to it. Um, but it's like the first one I really liked. It's very refreshing. Um, yeah, like pretty dark, modern like fantasy. But it's like it was really good. And then the second, the sequel just barely was released this month. And so I got a copy of that as soon as I could. That's always fun to like have like a, a series that like, yeah, like I remember that was one of the fun things when I discovered the Harry Potter books. Honestly, that was yes. part of the fun for it was like going to the midnight releases knowing that there's two. Well, I never like went to them, but like that idea that you like hurry and get it and can read it was kind of exciting yeah. that it was this like ongoing thing that it hadn't been really. Yeah. Like, well, and it, it's that like is pretty a communal fun. and it's like a communal sure. thing because all these people yeah. are reading things like the exact same thing at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it was fun. It's fun that it's like an ongoing series. I wasn't as impressed with like the second book as I was with the first one. Um, I'm kind of like under the impression that maybe she got a little tired with like the level of research because she's like writing about a true place, you know, that people yeah. like are going to fact check and like be kind of hyper vigilant about being like, oh no, when you turn left on this corner, it's actually this building, like kind of like weird stuff like that. So I feel like she could maybe, it feels a little bit more tired, I guess, than okay. the first one yeah. did. And there was some like tension that was in the first book that wasn't resolved. So I'm like hoping it gets resolved in book three. <laughs> I'll definitely be reading book three. I am glad I read it. Um, but it, it was a slightly disappointing sequel to the first one, but I'd still recommend it. Um, so that, yes. So that was ninth house and Hellbent by Lee Bardugo. And then I just started yesterday, uh, Maggie O'Farrell's memoir. I am, I am, Ooh. I am 17 brushes. I with saw death. that. Yeah. Interesting. Let me know how that is. I will. Or let so us know. I think it's like a collection. Um, my impression of it at this point is just, it's a collection of 17 essays, um, regarding a close interaction with death, whether that's her having a near-death experience or someone like else in her life having a near-death experience. And so far, so good. It's pretty good. I really like Maggie O'Farrell. I really liked Hamnet, which we did on the pod. Um, I thought it was really well done. And so far, I'm enjoying the memoir as well. Well, good. Yeah, let me know how that is. Did you know that Hilary Mantle has a collection of short stories called Learning yes. to Talk? Yes, I have uh I have that collection. Okay, I didn't I was totally not aware. I love her. I picked that up the other day too. So I have that on my list to but, I haven't read it. Yeah. I haven't read it, so let me know. But I do have a copy, so I've been wanting to read it. Doesn't she nice. she also has a memoir, right? She does giving up the ghost. Right. Oh um, man, I just that's what, that's like, what I made just me think feel, of that. I just feel sad when I think about Hillary Mantel now because I just miss I her. Know. I know, like I, I know, know, I just discovered her because of you, like in 2020. But I like it doesn't matter. She's amazing. 
get another novel from her. Yeah. I know. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, okay. Should we get into the furrows part two? Um, okay. So this was your book for you that you picked. So your first impressions, what did you, cause part two. So we kind of let you know at the end of our first discussion that it, the first part ends where we're not hearing from CC anymore from C we're we've now we're in Wayne's head. This guy yeah. named Wayne Williams, who has the same name as her brother. And, and part he, two is all from, well, it's him and it's mostly not just him. him. Yeah. There's okay. So this made me uh, go ahead. Sorry. I asked for what you think. Tell me what you think. Um, very different in tone. Um, the second half versus the first. It almost like made me question, I think, the first part more. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Of like, like, the, the, like the veracity of it? Yeah. Or just like it made it feel more out of place. Like the mm. first part of the novel just felt way more experimental. And then the second part felt more plot driven, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and that was both refreshing and also kind of like whiplash. Um, which I already kind of like had explained that I was feeling in the first section anyway, when she like goes between different versions of like how everything happened. But I will say it was like, it did perk me up when I was reading it in a good way. Mm. Um, but I think I get what you were getting at though, as far as like that perspective change. And then like the fact that it's not just this Wayne character, I don't know. What were you, your thoughts on that? I thought like, I so I remember when I was reading this and I remember liking it, but being a little disappointed because I had such high expectations because I love the old drift so much. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and then when I got to that last chapter in part one, and then maybe a couple chapters into part two, I remember saying to Kendrick and I was like, okay, this book, I didn't think I liked that much. And I was disappointed. But now it's a whole different thing than I thought it was. And so that's like got me rehooked into it. And I yeah. still didn't love this novel as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Or as much as the old drift. But like this really resonated for me having this other perspective. And like I liked, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit in our last episode, but like this idea of like code switching that I think she mm-hmm. is is illustrating and like just the and how that fits with kind of what I mean, what the novel is like the furrows and like these, and in this part where they talk, you know, um, Wayne is with this friend Mo and he talks so much about like, you know, kind of the time space continuum. And it's almost like it's this big record player. Right. And we're all just on these different grooves of this record. And like, I thought that this, it all really fit together so nicely because this also brought in these elements of like this code switching and, I think it brings up again her like biracialness and like how she operates in the world in that way. Yeah. And and it kind of brought more depth to her mom and dad. And I think it yes. just, yeah. it really, I, I thought, fleshed out a lot of things that weren't fleshed out as much in the first part, which makes sense because the first part was, even though this one was more plot driven, in the first part, C says, I think it's one of the first lines where she says, um, I mean, I know we're talking about part two here, but it all just fits together so nice. Yeah. yeah. She says, I don't want to tell you what happened. I want to tell you how it felt. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, you know, the, 
that's like the whole first part of the novel. It's like not even, it's like, what's going on? Kind of what is happening right, it's, here? It's like literally never just really telling know. us what she felt and like over and totally. over and over again in different versions of the same story. And then yeah. the first part ends with this great, totally catches you off guard chapter from this totally different point of view. And then part two immediately picks up with Wayne, this Wayne character telling us what's happening. Right. Like he's not like it's it is very plot driven it is very exactly what's happening until the last chapter again right. and like it still brings in these elements and like there's another character i guess that's talking like he's talking from prison and he's like on death row and it's like who at first i'm like who is this like what yeah but it all still fits and so i really loved like i don't i don't know sometimes it can seem like how books are chaptered or like what parts sometimes it's not as it doesn't seem to matter as much to me does that make sense like yeah. it does I think when it's done well have like an effect in how the book is and I think that it did it for this like yeah. I think how disparate these two parts are how she connected them what they bring out in each other was super interesting to me and that made the novel something I liked a lot more even though it's still like I still thought the old drift was a lot better but this like was really interesting very experimental like feeling to me but not in an off-putting way sometimes sometimes I can be I personally get a little off-put by some more like experimental literature like and I thought this was a really nice balance of that like I really enjoyed it yeah it wasn't like um unapproachable in its experiment like teaching right like like sometimes you can like read something that comes off as experimental or is experimental and it's kind of a turn off and it makes it feel like unapproachable or like um something that the average person like wouldn't be into but I think that this book is like extremely accessible um yeah even though it's weird I will just say though that like and maybe you can explain this to me because I I felt like with this book that I was missing something like a little bit with some of these characters like I still just don't quite understand what this Wayne character's like obsession and need is driven by like as far as everything that he does to get close to like trying to find him and close to this family and I don't know if I just like maybe I just glossed over the sentence that I needed to read that I just like didn't pay as much attention to in that moment or something as I was reading it but I truly like I just don't quite get it so how I interpreted it is that when the character Rain Wayne that is narrating was Mm -hmm. young like I think it's like seventh eighth grade Another, another Wayne, Wayne comes to the, to his school and looks just like him. Yeah. And has the same name and he almost feels like pushed out, like he's being like replaced. Right. And they get, and there's like a violent, I think, altercation or I read this book yeah, a there's like ago, a, but, I remember there being a fight of some sort between and, the two. And the other Wayne that's not narrating kind of gets out of the whole thing and like escape so to speak and then this Wayne does not oh, he and gets like, like goes into through the juvie system juvenile and system like and then yeah and was like in prison because they couldn't reach his foster mom and like really went through the shit and he's now living a really 
like hard life. And that's someone that he's like focused on as like, he took my life from me. Like literally. So is he like doing this as revenge? Well, I think it's how I I took it is finding I, I thought his purpose wasn't necessarily in finding him, but like doing damage. So like, like he want cause he first wants to like what he, how he gets focused on what happened is his friend that he's hanging out with that kid that like gets him fake IDs and stuff yeah. shows him this like poster for vigil, the charity that sees mom has started for right. lost and, and it says missing, not that he's dead. Right. And so he thinks like he can, come in as how I took it is he's going to like impersonate, right? Or he's going to somehow use the fact that he looks just like this Wayne as he sees on the poster to like swindle them somehow to like hurt them, mm-hmm. cause them damage. But then strangely gets involved very intimately with C. Right. I mean, like, what do you, I think like, let's talk about of- that. That was, that was one thing like that was a, it definitely like kept you like things were not stable in reading this because it's this very incestuous, like, C begins this intimate relationship with the narrator, Wayne Williams, who has the exact same name, looks almost exactly like her brother, except I think he said that her brother, he's, was it with that he, see, this was interesting too, that he was darker or that C's brother was darker, but he said one of them had darker skin than the other. Yeah. And, but. No, it's very, but but it's, it's he's not, it's very incestuous. And like all of these like meetings that she came up with too, in like the first part of the book of like running into Wayne lookalikes, they all have an element of that too, of like before she recognizes him or something in, in part one anyway, um, of it feeling like there's sexual attention that something could happen because he's like flirting with her and then she realizes is it's Wayne and then like it cuts to like the next scene basically or next version of the story and this is in like part one but in part two it's the same kind of thing where they have a similar meeting that she's described like a few times but like I think her impulse is really interesting because she knows he has the exact same name and he looks like her brother and she's there's an attraction there and part of it feels like that's part of the attraction between these two characters and it's it is very it's just very weird but I also think that like that sense of like not necessarily exactly revenge but of maybe like resentment towards this family and this like life that Wayne in the book could not have and that he's like trying to get this other Wayne's family or life or something like is complicated by the fact that Wayne the real Wayne like original Wayne was so young when he disappeared so like why would he try to take this out on a family that wouldn't have known him at that age if he had just gone missing and was put in the system somehow like it's like who he's taking it out on doesn't really like make sense to me and and then yeah like that sexual relationship that they have and then the way that like she kind of like both of them kind of try to justify it like when they go to um the funeral that her grandmother's funeral and the dad is there and he's like, what the fuck are you after? Like, what is going on? What's your deal? Who the fuck do you think you are? 
coming in here and telling me your name is Wayne Williams and you're with my daughter, like, what the fuck? And her kind of being like, oh, no, daddy, daddy, it's like, it's not like that. It's not like that is just kind of interesting. But then the way that it, like, pulls out in the end where she kind of, like, betrays him too, like, with the mom is, is like, it's just a very... It's it's just weird. It was to a sense that like I didn't quite understand where the characters were coming from or I was like surprised that they end up like reacting in a way that they react later on. In the yeah. Book. I mean, I think that's and that's kind of how she writes like she the more like we talk about it, like she um, and like she writes a lot of nonfiction, too. Like she's mm-hmm. quite an essayist and like she's kind of like this with her essays where she kind of I don't want to say is all over the place, but it's like she is this incredibly educated, I mean, she teaches at Harvard for hell's right. sake. Like right. she is in the upper echelon of literary and intellectualism, blah, blah, blah. But she will right. talk about all of these like esoteric things, but then she also will talk about like very, like from any part of your generation, like she'll not your generation, but like what's going on in like pop culture. Like she'll talk mm-hmm. about, you know, some like Angela Davis, but also like, you know, Kiki Palmer. Like in the same thing where it's like kind of and so she's very much like bringing brings things in from all over. And her old her first book, Old Drift, has kind of it's a little bit of historical fiction. It's a little bit of science fiction. It's a little bit of like like a mosquito is narrating at one point. Like it's all Mm -hmm. these different things, but it all makes like it all works really well together. It's just that it all keeps you kind of off balance. Like you're never quite sure what are we talking about here? But not in like, it doesn't make sense way, just in a way that it's like, it gets a lot of information at you, but it can kind of be off-putting and like, not off-putting. Just, it's just um, a little disorienting. Surpri- yeah, disorienting. That's the word I was looking for. And the thing is with this book, it made me think a lot. Like, so those things make me think a lot because there's so many things to like, try and think about and figure out and like ruminate on and talk about. Like we could probably talk, for me, mm-hmm. I could talk about this book for a long time just because- there's so many like things to talk about that all seem so important. It's just that it didn't, that feeling didn't last for me as long as it did with the old drift. Like I've constantly talked about how much I liked that book and I've recommended mm-hmm. to everybody. It's like stayed with me much longer than like this one did, mm-hmm. but it still had that same effect. Like she just brings up so many interesting things for me to think about. It makes me want to like look into more. You should, we'll put some links up. I'll have you teach me how to like some of yes. her essays. Cause I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with them and like, she's, She's a great essayist, like really interesting. She's so. definitely, I mean, she's a fantastic writer, period. Like this woman yeah. clearly like is a very thoughtful person and she has a lot to say and a lot of um, stuff to teach and to tell people. Um, this book I enjoyed, but I think that like that feeling of being disoriented never settled. Like yeah. I never... I don't know that I like got answers to some of my questions and not that I need answers to every question, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm not, I didn't get like a ton of closure with this book outside of, I will say the conversation between C and her mom. Um, that conversation clearly gave her closure <laughs> you know, sad, kind of sad amount of closure. Um, yeah. Basically her mom admits well. to her finally that like, she knows yeah. that Wayne isn't missing that he's died, but like him being missing is like 
keeping things open for her and also she's benefiting from it in way like yeah. it's like this is how we've decided to live our life and her father has remarried and like so things have really broken apart like yeah really any and it's not that maybe those things weren't already there but you know how it is when you're a child you grow up and then you realize like there were cracks there that maybe you didn't see and now they're like full blown. Well, and then like, you know, these, I think too, you know, C always feels like she's on the cusp of like exploding and finally just being like, mom, he's dead. Like he's dead. Yeah. Let it go. Like she's constantly almost wanting to have that conversation. And then she just gets, I don't know, like a feeling of, um, like guilt or like whatever that stops her from having that conversation with her mom and then finally they have this conversation and her mom is like yeah no i know he's dead like duh yeah Um, Yeah. i I mean and it's not like unfeeling like that it's still like an emotional conversation but you know this kind of sense that like she was holding her breath unnecessarily and, like, put stuff on her shoulders and, like, carrying weight yeah. for her mother unnecessarily. Um, being scared to have a conversation when in reality, like, her mom didn't need a come to Jesus. This is what's happening moment. Like, she already knew. And she's yeah. known for a long time. But this is, like, her life now. And it's part of her identity. And it's, like, something that's benefiting, like you said, benefiting her in a way like capitalizing on her own grief um but unfortunately it's on also capitalizing on the grief of other people in her life like c and her dad. yeah see and that's like another wormhole like that it's easy to go about and think down because that's a whole thing like all the these intricacies of grief right because mm-hmm. that's i think that's what was so affecting for me of the novel was like that idea of grief and when you lose somebody and like how Mm. i mean it's like even though c's story changes how she feels doesn't right like the story in the first part of the novel shifts ever so slightly a little bit like certain Mm. details but but the core part of it and her feelings are always the same and then even in the second part of the novel where she's not like this narrator there's not the focus isn't on her I should say not the narrator but like she's not almost the main protagonist in this part yeah it's still all centered around her grief right and it's almost like and then there's all these different realities of it and in every reality like that grief still exists even if the characters are a little bit different or things are a little shifted it's like that's the one constant through the whole novel is like that grief over losing her brother and like that idea of grief because it's grief so hard and like like you said closure like that's what made me think of this is like you really never get closure Mm -hmm. right like and I feel like some people feel they have it more than others because of either how the death occurs for a loved one yeah like what you know your relationship with them like maybe some people can feel more closure than others but you there's still never because you don't know well and then there's always we don't know there's always like the pressure to like act like Mm -hmm. you're fine you know, right. or like that your grief should be, you know, back to normal or in an equilibrium, like after a certain level of time. Like, I think everybody understands conceptually that, like, 
you never get over a loss like that. But yeah, the reality of everybody having to deal with people's grief sometimes like people aren't as gracious or as patient um, as they could be. And um, there is a sense of like, get over it. It's been how long already? Like, you know, like time right. heals all wounds, kind of like an attitude. Um, but this book, I think, does show um, like the way that that grief carries on and um, like continues to affect and like dictate oftentimes like your life and your trajectory in a lot of ways but also sometimes the way that like I think there is something to be said about how um some people like feed off of their own grief too and like use it as sustenance in their life and that's not always a positive thing either and so like these different reactions towards grief but also like you know, the way that these heavy weighted emotions like sometimes make conversations that need to happen really difficult. Like it's just an interesting it's just interesting seeing how everybody's coping with like the same kind of problem, but how it's affecting yeah. their relationships with each other at the end. I agree. Yeah. The the like spider web of grief, you know, yeah. and how those things trickle down. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, I really liked the concept in this book of like doppelgangers and like this idea of like other yous just walking through life like it's just it's very bizarre to think about but also like this attachment to like names and then also like how you look and Mm -hmm. um that dictating like your identity was interesting I had um I have a friend who posted on Facebook the other day. I hope he does not mind me sharing. I mean, he shared this on Facebook, so I don't think he minds. But um, his dad died very suddenly, like six Mm. years ago. Um, He had a brain aneurysm. And on the day that he died, like six years ago this year, my friend was watching a football game. And it was his dad's favorite team. And... You know how sometimes, um, like, neither of us, are, I think, are avid sports watchers, but sometimes when no. you're watching sports, the camera will go over the crowd and they'll, like, zero in on certain people briefly if they're, like, cheering or, like, they just kind of move through the crowd during, like, downtimes and lulls in the game, right? And um, this camera, while he was watching this game, focused in on this guy who was... And I am not kidding you. I knew this guy's dad. His doppelganger looked just like him. It was uncanny and frankly kind of like, I mean, it was weird. It was weird. Eerie. So he took a picture of it, you know, and he posted about it. And he like just said like it was really weird. Like he almost like jumped out of his chair and like thought he was looking at his dad like on the screen. And, like, that just really made me think about this book. Like, I'd finished the book at the time that I saw my friend post this. But it really, really made me think of this and, like, of how, um, you know, I kind of felt like this book was disorienting. But just how grief in general is disorienting. Yes. And then, like, how getting maybe... um, 
an interaction with that grief or like something triggering that grief can be really disorienting in a specific environment. And that's something that I've experienced for sure. And clearly like a friend of mine just recently experienced it almost to like a T of what I feel like this book is kind of like showing. And, um, that made me like appreciate as I've ruminated more with the book, like appreciated the book more. There are still some things that like I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just maybe didn't like it as much as I thought I would considering how hyped it was. Yeah. And I, same thing, like I had a lot of high expectations for it. Um, and, and I loved it for all those reasons that you just said too. Like, yeah. I think it's just, it, she really does tell us how she feels and you really feel all that grief is, you yeah. know, the, the, all of it. I mean, the, the feeling and what you remember and what you don't remember and mm-hmm. the, just like, I don't know, just sometimes the repetitiveness of grief. Like it's like you're living in Groundhog's Day a little bit yeah. and like, you know, and that idea of loss and grieving for someone so bad that you see them play, like it's, it touches on so many different elements of it. And so she really does, I feel like, tell you how she feels to the point where you feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I still love the old drift better, but it really was, uh, an affecting yeah. novel. I feel like. What did you think about, uh, this like Wayne Williams doppelganger that like is infiltrating C's life a little bit? Like, what did you think about him? I thought being in his perspective was interesting because in a way he's, you know, he's clearly like lying and manipulative to this character that we've been with for the majority of the book. Um, yeah. but there's you know still so he... much about him that you like can <sighs> resonate with. What was that movie? It's with Denzel Washington. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up because if you've seen this movie, like this is who this character made me think of. Um, I'll have to like look it up and think about it. So you'll have to talk a little bit. So you tell me what you thought of him. He's definitely, I'll say this. He's like kind of this like dark and dangerous like character. Like he's like, yeah. he's, he, he, he felt dangerous to me. Like he feels, he feels like he's, to me, it felt like he was capable of anything. And that was terrible, kind of scary, you know, like the lengths that he was going to, to be like closer to her, closer to her family was, um, scary, but it's also like, he still is like the protagonist of the second part so it's it's weird I don't know I don't know how I felt about it it was a weird kind of like perspective to be in because it felt like it was in some ways opposing you know the the character that I had like had already already identified with yeah and then Mm. but then also like they do have this like relationship that at times feels very genuine and sincere. Um, But as we know, like, it's not. But at the same time, and then we kind of find out that she was, like, onto it and understood that that was what was happening, like, almost the entire time. So it's, like, not almost the entire time. But she does, like, end up, like, telling her mom and they call, like, the cops and stuff. Like, she was onto him. 
Yeah, which is, it's interesting how, like, and again, we don't, you don't get, you really don't know what C's thinking in all of this, like, outside right. of what she communicates to other characters. So that's, that's a little, because we were just in her head so much. Like, you are truly so inside of C. So then it is interesting to be thrown out, and now you're, like, whoosh, sucked into this other character. And he's not as, like, sympathetic a character. Right. I think, and... And it's a little, so I think that part of it's interesting too, because like you really now are forced to like be invested in this other character and it's not one that's as easy to like want, you know, to be invested right. in. Right, like he's just not as palatable, I guess. And it also like, yeah, I mean, it just seems like they're in opposition sometime, like a little bit. And, but they're also, you know, together, which I, I mean, again, just like brings me back to the incest element of it all which is weird because like I don't know it's it's interesting I feel like Freudian almost talking about it like of like what C's attraction is here to this situation yeah no it is an interesting like where where does that it's hard to not know what she's thinking because you kind of want to be like what are you thinking like yeah, like why we know, are you? Why we know why he's this? in this. Why are yeah, exactly. Like it's so off-putting to not know why she's into this, and like you, I kind of kept trying to like attribute like reasoning to it to like not be yeah, like not be feel kind of weird about it, mm-hmm. like and to be able to be so yeah, it's a. I also that's just, an interesting part of it. A part of me also was just oddly enough always kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop of being like is this actually her brother? Like, like, like how does she really know this isn't her Wayne Williams? Like, and we all know it's not, but like, how does she really know? Like there's seriously, like there's a connection there that she is into, but it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing to think about. I want like a part of me is just like, Oh, like, she's just trying to get close to this idea of a brother that she could like in any way that she can, but like it, it's bizarre. It's, I I don't know quite what to think about it because to me, it seems like that's part of the attraction for her is that his name is what it is and that he resembles so closely her brother because it's almost like her interest in him when we first, when they're first introduced in the first part of the book is like that's part of the interest is when she like flags that he looks kind of like him or that his name's Wayne. Like that's when her interest is peaked and she starts being less annoyed by his interest in her. And, um, well, and in her, in her, in her part of the novel in the first part, there are kind of these meetings that she has with these men who resemble Wayne. And then it's almost like this takes it that one step farther. It's like, she keeps seeing him everywhere to the point where then she does like, it's not just someone it's not because in the first part, there's a lot of the like, Oh, from a distance or I thought at first. And then Mm -hmm. when they, and then she very much clearly states that, Oh no, it's not Wayne just looks like him. Um, and then it's almost like now it's become a reality in a way like she's seen him so much and now she has like this character has been created he has been brought up but it's not the same rain wayne almost like in you know when you like bring people back from the dead they're not the same as they were like i don't know so like just all these random like thought things that it goes down of what 
all of this can mean because you don't really know. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and in some ways, to be fair, I think that that can be dissatisfying sometimes to read. Like, sure. But yeah. I think that um, I'll tell you, it's not I, as satisfying. Like, I have to talk about it to really enjoy it. So that's yeah. kind of what's fun about yeah. ta- when we talk about these books. Like, and that's why we part of why I enjoy doing this so much is it. Yeah. You know, that's part of what we missed. I think we both missed from like school. Yeah. And having literature courses is that ability to like talk about it and hear other people's ideas about it. And the more you talk about something, you can, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to like something that you hated. No, like, but you, we still you will never like the maidens. I don't know how much we talk about that book. I will never like anything about it, but the ones that you <laughs> do like you, yeah, you get more out of it and you can maybe appreciate something more. Um, and that's totally how I feel about this novel. So like, I hope that you guys are, interested enough to go out and get it because it is really an interesting novel to read and I think I think she's quite a force and like I hope continues to put out work and like definitely check out her essays and like any other nonfiction that she does because she's really really a smart interesting person so well I'm adding I'm really I'm glad we did this one to my reading list so I'm gonna go get that as soon as I can because I know that you really really highly recommend it and I know that like generally it's considered like I mean, well, and I'm, I'm happy gonna, to. I'm not going to say a million alone. times better, but it's just like I've heard a lot of people saying it's like a really good book, better than, I'm, than this one. So I would be happy to send you my copy if you. Oh like, no, so I'm not going to make it. you give up your copy. I know you are fine doing that, and I know you you've done it for me before. But I am happy to go purchase my own okay, copy. Well, I don't mind. My own money. It's always it's always good for me to make more room for books. So. <laughs> Well, I won't make you get rid of one that's like in your top five so that you can have okay. room for others. That's fair. I appreciate that. Um, do you, is Anything else you wanted to talk about with the furrows? I mean, there's lots we could talk about it with. I feel like everything I really like really wanted to talk about. I'm sure we could find other stuff, but I've, I feel like I've said I've hit the points I wanted to hit. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're so I hope you guys go get a copy if you didn't read it and yes. give it a read or give it a listen. I think it was really good. So and our next book, we are also excited to talk about. Um, it's The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. So that one should be a pretty quick weed. <laughs> so yeah, I think so. Um, so hopefully we'll have an episode up on that uh, within a week as well. Uh, get back on a little bit of a schedule. Life's just crazy. So that's just how it goes so we appreciate your patience because we love doing this so all righty anything else um i'm trying to think do i have any oh have you been watching the last of us no i will not watch apocalyptic things oh right i forgot about that you're right yeah i i've heard i've seen like all these great reviews and it's getting all this buzz and i just i can't do anything like, seriously, I've been re-watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and there's these two episodes, there's a part one and part two, where they go back, they travel back in time to 2024, and oh no, it's that's kind of too this, close. like, it's kind of this apocalyptic kind of time in Earth's history, because, you know, we basically are on the verge to destroying ourselves, which is evident every day, more and more shitty things to that are happening. Wah, wah, wah. Um, yeah, yeah, this is why part of also why we do this podcast, but anyway, so... It's just, it was, I was like, no, this is too, 
This is too, this, that's scary. Like those are scary movies for me because they prevent, it's not just like once it's over, I can forget about it. It's a like, I don't forget about it kind of fear. So yeah. And I will say last of us, like it's good. We've watched the first two episodes that have come out, but it is, it is intense. It is heavy. It is intense. And it is visually like. It's like a, it's kind of, it's a zombie apocalypse, but it's zombies unlike you've ever seen before. And it kind of ruins mushrooms for you. And like, because it's spores, it's like, instead of like a bacteria or a virus, it's a fungi that's evolved to like be able to use our bodies as hosts basically. And it is terrifying. It is Mm. terrifying. Um, the acting is really great. It's a really good show, but it is like, we watched the first two episodes and I told Brian and both of them, I was like, I need you to like, hold my hand. I need you to squeeze me like this entire show. And if you're not squeezing me, then I need one hand spread out on my back so that I feel like my back's to the wall and not exposed to some monster that's going to come kill me. And um, luckily he's very supportive, but I would not be able to watch it alone. It is actually a genuinely really scary show. So I think you should stay away. If that's your jam, then yeah, I'm staying away. I have no, no problem with it. Staying away. (laughs) Yep. So glad you're enjoying it. I'm really glad that you're getting some time to yourself because you've been, you've been through the ringer. You deserve time. Everyone deserves time. It's so hard to find. So I hope you all can find it and maybe spend some of that time with the furrows or the villa. Yes. Um, and if you do, we appreciate you. So, agreed. Thank you. Agreed. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.